Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, good morning, family. How you doing? Good. Well, what can I say? I was in the field, and the ball came my way, and I decided that I was going to catch it, and here I am. <laughs> here I am. I caught the ball, and so I am so excited and really honored, actually. Um, I do not take it lightly um, of the privilege I get to share the Word of God, and uh, this morning, thank God for technology, um, I watched my mom preach over Zoom um, as she was sharing the word in Trinidad, and I think she's locked on to watching me today, and that is always such a blessing to see generational legacy proclaiming the word of God. Um, and so I am just honored. I know dad will probably take it in later, um, but I'm honored to just stand on uh, the testimony of their lives, really, um, because they both love Jesus so much. Um, yeah, you know, I, as I was saying, I just really do want to honor the house, Pastor Brent and Sharon. Um, they are really, I know we, we do call them pastors, but they really are mama and papa. And um, when you get to know them, and, and here's the thing about life is that sometimes you don't need to be like sitting across from them. Sometimes you can be a row, couple rows, but when you get to see them and you hear their hearts, you begin to understand the essence of a person. And so what you see up here, what you see down there is who they are, and I am so honored that they would ask me. And I, I am thanking the Lord for their yes. I was, as I was writing it out, I thought, you know, they literally stepped out of the boat. They, and if, you're, if you've been here long enough, you'll know what I mean. And if you're new here, you'll get to know. They literally said yes and stepped out of the boat. And I honor the team that is with them, working alongside of them. They have said yes. And how many know it takes many hands to accomplish what God wants to do on the earth? It is not just... Two people, it takes a company of people that continually say yes to Jesus. And so I honor the team. Um, I, we, this, is our, this is our third year being in Abbotsford um, and attending Windward. And um, this family has just embraced us as family. And, you know, some of our lumps and our bumps, too. And we have them. It's true. Um, but you guys have loved us, and you have loved us well. And I thank you for that. You are truly our church family. Um, I believe it's a key for this hour when the church begins to walk like a family. And you know, like, it's really nice to say that word, right? It, it really does feel good. But family is messy. It's true. Family is messy. It, it, it can get tangled sometimes. But I believe as we continue to choose one another and we continue to say, I'm going to show up for you just like you're showing up for me. That's what makes family explosive. That's what makes kingdom family because we don't walk out on each other when it gets hard, or we don't agree. We stick to it. Even when we don't understand, we go, you know what? 
It's okay. I might not understand your point of view, but for the sake of unity and for the sake of Jesus being exalted on this earth, you're my family. So you're stuck with me. Here it is. Here it is. I believe that that key word, family, is a key for the season. Because love isn't blind. It's eyes wide open. It's I'll love you all the way. Because when the Father looks at you, he sees the beauty of his creation. He sees the call of God on your life. He sees you filtered through the blood. He sees you as precious. And I felt like in my spirit, because I'm like, Lord, what do I share? What do I share? And I, I actually was going to title the message, Remember, but I'm here to remind you. I'm not here to tell you anything you haven't heard before. I'm just here to remind you. I'm here to remind you that you are courageous. I'm here to remind you that you are faithful. I'm here to remind you that you are on an ascent. Some of you can't escape some of the lies that have been happening. And it doesn't matter where you are. It's like the enemy is just flinging mud. You're in church, you're out of church. You're in the strangest place, and it's just like he's flinging mud. Well, we're about to fling some mud today. All right. <laughs> we are about to fling some mud today. I'm here to remind you that you are not defeated, that you are not crushed, you are not outcast. Your dis-ease isn't too much for God. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not despaired, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that life may be revealed in our mortal body. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that as your word goes forth, it will accomplish all that it was intended to accomplish. God, we thank you for the spirit of truth and revelation that is filling the atmosphere right now. That even as I speak, God, that you would begin to reveal more than what I say. That as we begin to be hearers and doers of your word, that you would take a hold of the things that need to fall off the things that need to be broken off, the things that we need freedom in. Father, we give you the glory today and we reverence your presence because you are the great King of kings and the Lord of lords, the accuracy of the sword of the Spirit and the love of the Father is what delivers us. I'm going to say that again. The accuracy of the sword of the Spirit 
and the love of the Father is what delivers us. It takes us from one place to the next. So we're going back to Sunday school a little bit, okay? Lots of reading, but that's okay. You'll, you'll understand why. If you've been in church for a little bit, you're going to know this story. Um, the book of Daniel is full, full of amazing things um, of God just showing up for Daniel. And so we're going to look at this book today. The first thing I realized as I was studying this story this has been a three-year journey for me, so you're, literally every point could be a sermon. So you're going to kind of get a digested version of, of this. The king of Babylon, I didn't actually ask Chuck to tell me these names, so if my Trinidadian comes out, you know why. <laughs> the king of Babylon, can I just call him Neb, okay? Right? I'll call him Neb. Um, he basically goes in and he demolishes uh, Jerusalem. And out of that, he takes captives. And these three boys, well, four boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because that's the names I remember, um, they're taken to the king's palace. And the first thing that happens is they actually, the king says to the oversight, give them new names. And so they actually get new names. Um, they went from names that were founded in truth to being named after Babylonian gods. And I was intrigued by this because you know as we go into the story that Daniel speaks up about certain things, right? But he doesn't say anything. He accepts the name. Can I say to you that the system of this world wants to change our name? They want to label us. They want to put something on us that we're not. And at the end of the day, they can't change the name that he has put on our foreheads. So it doesn't matter, actually, what they call us. We know. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the burning ones. We are the called out ones. We know. We are the church of Jesus because we bear his name. The world is always trying to make us conform. Little ways. Conform. Oh, conform. No, that's okay. Conform. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. 
Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So it doesn't matter what the world calls us. We know our name. We know our name. And we belong to him. And as the church, we give him the glory that is due his name. I remember when I was in my preteen years, Trinidad culture is so different. And so a birthday party is, you know, not a lot of people had birthday parties. Like, it, you know, it was a big deal to have a birthday party. And the school I went to was a private school, and often my friends there um, would have parties. And it was a big, it was a big deal. And I would, I would want to go. And I, so... I remember getting into the car and my dad taking me to his birthday party and he, he would always say to me, he'd always say to me, remember who you are. And I tell you, you know when your parents have said something to you and it's like holy words, it's like you cannot run. It's like they've said it, and it's like you, that's all you're seeing. And I remember being in those atmospheres, and actually, I don't even know to this day, those parties were not just birthday parties. There was drinking and smoking and all kinds of things happening at that birthday party. And I remember going, this one in particular, I remember they were passing around the bottle. And I, and I knew it was coming down, and I, I could feel my heart just, like, pounding because I'm like, this is decision time. Like, what am I going to do? And all I could hear is, remember who you are. And I took that bottle, and I passed it on, and I'm like, not only that was my last birthday party, but I'm like, this is not for me. This is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. Because I know who I am, and this environment is not conducive to who I am. School's coming up for these young kids. And I often will say to my children nowadays, remember who you are. I will often say to them, remember who you are, who the Lord has destined you to be. So that when you go out into the atmosphere of the world, that you begin to affect and change the very atmosphere and it doesn't do the reverse. The next part of Daniel, Daniel 3, we're going to read it. It's quite a, it's about... Six verses, but I, I just feel to read the word. I want to give you the word. I want the word to do the work. Because my words are just my words. But when the word gets into us, that's the lasting thing. So Daniel 3, 8 to 16, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. 
But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and that other name. <laughs> Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat royal food and treat your servants according with what you see. So he agreed to test them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they look healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and drink that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. I have been chewing on this word literally for three years because I am so intrigued. These were kids. We're not talking about grown adults, you know, like that are like, I've had enough meat in my life. I'm going to eat vegetables. No, these were teenagers and they were boys. <laughs> I have one and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like so much food. And he says, no, I'm, I don't want to defile myself. I'm not going to defile myself. And so I'm, I'm like chewing on this. What would make him ask for different food? What would make him want plain food? Because it wasn't like the king's food was poisonous, or maybe it was. It wasn't like anybody was dying. Or maybe they were. But to Daniel and his friends, it was defiling. Daniel's ability to watch what he was consuming allowed him to be nourished in a way that caused him to stand out. I'm going to say it again. Daniel's ability to watch what he was consuming allowed him, them, to be nourished in a way that caused him to stand out. Have you ever had so much chocolate and sugar and you're like, oh, this is so good, this is so good, I want more, come on, give me more, and then like two minutes later you're like, why did I do that? I believe that God is calling us to deepen our spiritual senses. I believe that we have come to an intersection. It's like, it's like everybody knows something has to change. We can feel it. Something has to change. We're not sure what has to change. And I'm going to suggest to you today that I believe God is calling you into a deeper consecration 
We are at a crossroad because what we did back there isn't going to work where we're going. And it is requiring a deeper concentration. I believe some of you are going to be called into prayer like you have never felt before. Where you have felt like I can only pray for two minutes and then I'm peace out, I'm done. I believe that the spirit of God, that the spirit of hunger is going to come up like a well. And it's going to come up and out of you in this season. He's calling us to deeper concentration. I believe some of you are going to be called back into fasting. It's kind of the spiritual discipline that is like really low. Because we don't really like not eating. I know I don't. And I love meat. (laughs) So, but I feel this. I feel this in in our own lives. And I'm like, man, I've never felt like fasting before. I, I don't even know where this is coming from. But I feel it is like we are at a crossroad. And we're looking at each other as husband and wife. And he's feeling it. And I'm feeling it. And we're like, we've got to step in. And we have friends saying, do it. So there's a deeper concentration that he's calling us to. Even when the storm is raging around you. Because life has a way of not stopping. I can, I can be in love with Jesus and desperate and hungry for him all day, every day. But life happens to us. And hard things we go through. But can I suggest to you, in this hour and in this time, we cannot play games anymore. He's calling us deeper. And you may not be able to language it yet, but I'm telling you, that's what it is. It's the Spirit of God drawing you and saying, come a little closer, come a little deeper, come a little higher. It's time. As I look back at this story, I see that the boys had two choices. They had two tables. And God is so, like, when you start to pull apart the word, it's like you begin to see things. There were two trees. There's two way. The narrow, the wide. There were two tables. What table are we sitting at? What table, what food are we feasting on? He is such a gentleman. The Lord is such, he, you know, I, I marvel at him because in the, in the justice part of me, I go, well, God, just strike them. Like, you know, they're not doing what you want them to do. Like, can't you just, and he's like, no, I'm a God of process. I'm a God of love. I'm a God that takes people on a journey. So in the garden, when there were two trees, I wasn't afraid that Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. Because Jesus was always the plan. He was never the second plan. He was always the plan. 
And he always gives us two choices. So today, we have a choice. A couple weeks ago, I saw we were leading worship. And often, you know, sometimes you'll see pictures. And I saw this picture. And I saw, I saw like the grave. I saw Lazarus in the grave. But what was intriguing about it was that Lazarus came out of the grave, but he was still covered in all of his grave clothes. And I felt like the Lord said, tell the people they got to pull off each other's grave clothes. And so I sang that out as messy as and how I could get it out. Like, and I think we did a prophetic act of like, just pull off the grave clothes off, off of one another. Because some of you guys are in graves. Some, some people, maybe not in this room, maybe online, maybe watching later. Some are in dark and lonely places. They're in the shadows. They're in graves. And the Lord is saying, it is time to come out of the grave. Because there is a company of people that will pull off your grave clothes. There are ones that will love you. And walk alongside of you and not judge you and not marginalize you, but say we are here and one step at a time we're going to make it together. After we were done leading, I came down. My sister's not here. Amira just came up to me and just, just started to pray. Just laid her hand on me, literally. I literally, as she's praying and prophesying over me, and she's just like hitting it. She, word of knowledge after word. If you haven't been prayed for by Amira, get prayed for by Amira. She's like just hitting it. And the Lord said, she's pulling off your grave clothes. Because I can't do it sometimes. Sometimes it's too tight. And I need my sister to come and pull it off. Pulling it off today. We need to unwrap each other's grave clothes. Because there's a supernatural shift. You see, he was, he's never late. He's never late. He's never late. He's always on time, on time, on time. He is always on time. He's never late. And when we get worried, God, you're going to show up like Lazarus' sister's. They were worried. Where's Jesus? Isn't he coming? Lazarus is dead like a couple days. But he's always on time. Who may ascend? As deep cries out to deep, there is a depth in the spirit that God is requiring us to go. But we must stop eating at the wrong table and consuming the wrong food. Psalm 24 says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in the holy, his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who do, does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. God says, I don't just want the outside clean. I want the inside too. As we look further in this story, we're going to read it. We're going to go back to reading. 
Daniel 3, 13 to 17, it says, Furious with rage, Neb summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zitar, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I, I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a burning furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If, you, if we are thrown into the burn, blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. There was a courage in those boys that every time I think about it, I go, God, your church needs courage. We need courage, God. We need boldness to say we will not bow. We will not fear. May the Lord strengthen our hearts in this hour with this kind of resolve. There's something about obedience that attracts the supernatural. And the next part of this story is that they are not just put in the furnace. They're thrown in. But I'm here to tell you today that the supernatural shows up in the fire too. <laughs> the supernatural manifestation of Jesus showed up in the fire. It says in verse 20, actually in verse 19, because you have, to, you have to understand the context of what these boys were dealing with. Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice man. It says he was furious, and his attitude changed towards them. His attitude towards them changed. And he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Like, he's not playing. He's like, no. You want to prove me wrong. I'm going to go to task, and this is going to get hotter than you thought. But the supernatural shows up in the fire. And even though they were tied and thrown in, the testimony of Jesus was in the fire because when the devil thought he won, when Jesus hung on the cross, I'm here to tell you that on the third day, he rose again and he took the keys. Yeah. 
of that, we have resurrection life. So the king thought he won. He did. But the supernatural showed up. Verse 24 to 29, because the story doesn't end there. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire unbound and unharmed. The fourth looks like the son of gods, and some translations say the son of man. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Their straps, or their, I don't know how to say that name. You, you, you can read it, yeah, their governors, their royal advisors crowded them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. No other God. No other God can save us like he can. No other God can redeem us like he can. No other God can silence the tormenting voices. No other God can liberate us from chains. No other God can heal us from cancers and tumors. No other God. The worship belongs to our God. Their obedience to worship the one true God. Their obedience to say, no matter what, I will not bow my knee to idols. Open the door for the king to acknowledge no other God. I believe that there is an invitation extended to the church today. Psalm 24 has just been, it, I, just been like resonating in my heart. I just can't get away from it. I've just been in it, just in it. And I'm like, God, what are you saying? And I believe that it's not just for me. And he's asking us as his bride to lay down our idols. He set a table of invitation and he's saying, will you come? Will you lay down your idols Will you make me a priority in your life? Sometimes we, we think, oh, well, that's not an idol. It's so small. It can't be an idol. No, God, that's not an idol. It's so in insignificant. 
And sometimes we try and carry them around. And we hide them and the Lord is saying, don't. Lay them aside. They're not worthy of your worship. Come and take a place at the table of invitation. Psalm 24, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. It's a day of consecration. Bless you. Right? It's okay. It's like he's, he's saying to us, remember. Remember, remember, remember when you first met him? Remember what that felt like? Remember when you opened up your heart to him and you said, Jesus, I want you more than anything else. Remember? I want you to remember. Remember what it felt like when he walked in the halls of your heart and he cleaned you out. Remember? Remember what that encounter felt like. Remember when you were so hungry for him, you're like, God, I will go anywhere. Remember? We got to remember. We got to remember. We don't look back to go back. We look back to remember. Because in remembering, it actually releases us to go further. So we remember what it felt like to just sit on his lap and feel his love and the warmth of his presence. We remember because it's that that pulls us deeper. It's that hunger that goes, I want that God. He's preparing us. I know it's kind of a stern word. It feels like it a little bit. It's sobering. It's not stern. It's sobering. But hear my heart because I'm in the same boat. God's saying to me, Rianne, some of those idols there, you, got that, you don't have time for that. You have to lay that down and remember. Remember your first love. Remember so that you can go further. There is a song, Chuck keeps saying this, and I don't remember when he started saying this, but there is a corporate sound we feel, like as worshipers. We're just like, God, what are you doing? What? And it's like he's, I don't know, and the family part, because of the knitting, and the doing life together, and the being in the deep places together, he's knitting our hearts because there is a corporate thing that he wants to do. And I believe, and we believe, there's a sound, there's a corporate sound that he wants to release. So that's not just us worshiping, right? That's, that's us worshiping. 
So when they start, it's not just them. They have the mics on. But it's us. It's us. We are in this together. It's not us and them. It's not them and us. It's us. So when I, when I say this, this is us. This sobering thought, this sobering message, this sobering call, this higher, like this song of ascent. Psalm 24 is actually known as a song of ascent. It's a sound from us. And as we take those steps of obedience, oh my goodness. As we take those steps of obedience, the supernatural <laughs> is attracted to obedience. So as we lay down the attitudes and the mindsets that keep tripping us up and causing us to stumble, as we lay down our idols and we say, God, we want you first, the supernatural is going to start to manifest. It already is manifesting. The events that led to the boys. Can I get some keys for me? You can play for me. I'm, I'm just wrapping down. The events that led to the boys being thrown in the furnace was as real as it comes. Chances are they did not have family because they were literally chosen, like handpicked and taken, but they had each other, which I thought is so interesting. They had each other. I just declare that there is a resolve coming to the church. That even when the outward way is stripped from us, even when the stance to take away all the outward things that as a church we do, that we will resolve to put a stake in the ground and remember the name that we carry. I just believe that as a church, that we will resolve to eat from the rightful king's table, from the food that he has provided. I want to go back. I had mentioned something about people walking in and not like, you feel like wherever you are, it's like mud. and. I saw the enemy, when I've been praying, I've, I've been seeing this picture over the summer as I pray for the church, and it's like the enemy is throwing arrows, and it's hitting, it's hitting people on their back, and people are in pain, and I'm like, God, okay, like, what do we do with that? The, the arrows are lies. 
But when we step into a place of believing the lie, that's why they land. And so I saw the Lord allowing me to take out the arrows and, and the Lord said, send the truth back because it is the truth that pierces the darkness. So if there's anybody in here that's been tormented, like you, you're in a worship setting or you're, you're driving and all of a sudden you're just flooded with memories and things that are not good or thoughts or words even, like accusations, and you're like, God, where, where, what is this? Take the truth of the word and declare it because it was meant for you to actually send it back. Faith is an act of war. So the moment you believe the word and you send it back into the enemy's camp, it is an act of war that pierces the darkness, that severs the tie. So I encourage you, take the truth, one scripture, and send it back. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe it. That's how it gets stuck. We'll take it out. But God is wanting you to mature, to send it back. It's a beautiful thing when I think about those boys because they did not have parents on the scene. It was what they were taught. Yahweh. Yahweh. They knew Yahweh. They knew Yahweh and they caused Yahweh to affect the very atmosphere that changed a nation. They didn't have parents. That, don't eat that. Don't do that. No. They're like Yahweh. I believe that as a church, that the generational blessing of serving God from generation to generation, the legacy, listen to me, listen to me. I know some of you are disqualifying yourself even as I say this. There is a generational blessing from the heavenly host, from the cloud of great witness that is passed on to you and your line. So it doesn't matter if your parents were who. You are under the legacy and the generational freedom of Yahweh. And lastly, that as a church, we resolve to worship God. Next level. I don't know what that means. God's been like messing up our worship so much. And I'm like, I don't know, Jesus, like whatever you want to do. But a resolve to go, whether it's weighty, whether it's glory, whether we're all on the floor, whether whatever, whatever, whether we're dancing and celebrating, that we resolve to worship as a family together to release the sound that God wants to release in the earth. 
Why don't you stand with me? We need him. As I got to the end of writing, I just I just closed everything up and I went, Father, I need you. I need you because I can't accomplish in my own strength. I need you. And so that's our posture, Lord. That's our posture. That's our cry today. We need you. We need you, God. We need you, Abba. We need you, Daddy. We need you. We can't do it without you. God, I thank you for this family, this company of people, all walks of life, all situations, different circumstances life happening all around us. God, we are declaring for supernatural manifestations in the fire. We are believing and contending for supernatural manifestations in the fire. That what was normal becomes supernatural by the power of your spirit. God, we stand in the confidence, not in our own strength, but the confidence of your word. The confidence that you did it before and you will do it again. That you said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Ha! but that she will be glorious and free. She will be glorious and free. Stacy, can you pray for the children and the ones going back to school? You just release a blessing over them. God, we lift up our kids to you. God, we lift up our kids to you. God, we speak boldness over them this year. We speak courage for them this year. God, we speak an undivided heart over them this year. That, Father God, when they're standing before those two tables, that they'll know which one to choose. That they'll remember who they are, 
who you've called them to be, who they've been raised up to be, Lord God. That they are children of the Most High God. God, we speak a hedge of protection around them for this year. We speak fire over them this year. We speak passion over them this year, Lord God. Fire in their belly, Lord God, that it cannot be contained this year, Lord God. We speak signs, we speak miracles, and we speak wonders over our kids this year. That they will lead us as little children, Lord God. That in their innocence and in their purity, that they would teach us, Lord God, this year. And we speak a protection over that innocence. We speak protection over that purity. And Lord God, for our kids, we speak unity. We speak unity, Lord God, that when they come here, when they come here, Lord God, what it is that they're learning, what it is that you're teaching them, what it is that you're doing in them, Lord God, would take root. And that together as a group, that they would rise up and that they would have each other's backs, Lord God. That, Lord God, when they talk on the phone, when they talk over Zoom, Lord God, that they would be encouraging each other, that they would be speaking life over each other, that they would know that their friends have their back, that they would have healthy friends, they would have godly friends, Lord God, this year, that their friends would call them up higher, Lord God, this year, that they would see your face this year, Lord God. We speak your glory over them this year, Lord God, that they would encounter you, Father, that they would encounter your heart that when they're lying in bed alone at night Lord God that you would come Holy Spirit that you would envelop them we speak truth over them Lord God we speak your spirit of truth over them Jesus and Lord God we pray that you would anoint them with wisdom and with understanding this year Lord God that they would have discernment beyond their years but that Lord God when they when they uh, see what they see when they know what they know that they would understand what it is there to do with that, Lord God. We call our kids up, Father God. We call our kids to health, Lord God. We call them to maturity, Lord God. And Father God, as uh, I just see this picture of the Lord ordaining their steps this year. So we speak that over them this year, Father God, that you would ordain their steps, that they would have divine encounters, both in the natural and the supernatural, Lord God. We thank you for our kids, Lord. They are a treasure. It is a privilege. It is a privilege, Lord God, to be family to them. We don't take that lightly, Lord. And we thank you for the honor. God, we ask that you would partner with us as family that you would partner with us as older ones, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us how to honor our kids, that you would teach us, Lord God, what needs to be instilled in them, that you would show us who it is you've called them to be so that we can call out that remembrance. In Jesus' name. I feel like 
need to respond to the word. And I just, I want us to be real. <laughs> I, I, I want to do a call, but I, but I also want us to be real because here's the thing. If we're not real with each other, how? And so, I felt like it was a consecration. I felt like we needed to consecrate our hearts again. And so I do, I want to make a call. That if you want to just, this isn't anybody praying for you. This is just you and Jesus here. If you want to just come and just soak for like a few minutes just to respond to the word. To respond to the, the work. I want to give you the opportunity. I know we have the prayer team the ministry team and so for ones that need prayer um, the ministry team they're going to be up here um, but I also want to extend that that sometimes in the window of time taking that step of just going God I, I just I'm here I'm here again so I want to encourage you don't leave without coming if you're feeling like there's, there needs to be an act of obedience, of stepping out, don't leave. Don't leave without coming. Because I know that God meets us at the altar. I know that I know that I know when we come with a contrite heart and we say, Jesus, I'm just coming. I'm just coming out of obedience. I'm just laying it down. I know he meets us. So I'm going to pass it back to Pastor Chris, and I'll let him wrap it up. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me share my heart this morning. Bless you.